Would you take your Bible and let's head over to Matthew chapter 16, if you would. And I've got some good news and I've got some bad news. Which one do you want first? Shout it out. All right, the bad news is this is not a sack lunch, okay? And uh, the good news is it is your annual church calendar. And uh, so on your way out today, it looks like this. And uh, my wife, she told me, please do not give us another magnet. So we made an aesthetic fancy with you ladies in mind. Uh, church calendar. And so what happens is each of these just go to the back. And uh, so I think it's kind of self-explanatory, but you make sure on your way out today to grab one of these. Also in your gift basket uh, is the new logo sticker. And so you can have one of those. Uh, we're going to do one per family this morning. If you want to come back tonight and get an extra one for your, your spouse or something of that nature, we have plenty of them. We only have so many of the stickers though. And so each of those uh, bag, uh, bags back there have two stickers and your calendar. And so tonight, if you want to grab an extra one for an office or something, we'll have those calendars out as well. So I want to encourage you to grab that. Be back tonight. We'll spend some time uh, unpacking the calendar. There's a bunch of new things on the calendar, some return things, some exciting things, some faith-filled things that we're going to need you to be here tonight to hear about. So we'll lean into some of that this evening. But today, we get to launch the new church theme, Advance. And uh, we're going to lean into that. We're going to understand it in just a little bit. But last week, let me just kind of catch you up to speed. We spent one final service discussing and uh, 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 establishing what the church is. And again, the importance of the church, the identity of the church is something, and what the church is supposed to be, is something that cannot be overstated. It is of the utmost importance, the church of utmost importance to Jesus Christ. It is the institution that Jesus chose to reach the entire world and to preach the word of God. Probably the two most important things that will ever happen on this planet would be to reach the world, to glorify God, to share the word. God has given the church to be the lighthouse, to the darkness and combat the darkness of this world so that the world might be reinvited back into God's kingdom. It's the city set on a hill that cannot be hid. Now, if we had a theme verse, which we don't this year, we're going to be all over the place this year, uh, but if we had a theme verse, it'd be Matthew chapter 16, verse 18. You'll recognize this verse for the most part. Matthew chapter 16, verse 18, Jesus is speaking to Peter. He's just asked the disciples, who do men say that I, the son of man, am? And they give some crazy answers. And then he says, but who do you, Peter, think that I am? And Peter asserts that Jesus is the Christ, the son of the living God. He gets the answer right. And I want you to see what Jesus responds to him and that truth that Peter has just asserted and attested to. Matthew chapter 16, verse 18, Jesus speaking says, and I say also unto thee, that thou art Peter. So Peter knows who Jesus is, and Jesus knows who Peter is. And upon Peter's proclamation that Jesus is the Son of God, Jesus asserts that he is the rock. He himself, not Peter, but he is the rock that, and keep reading, it says, and upon this rock, Jesus being the Son of God, Jesus said, I will build my church. I want you to read the last part out loud with me, would you please? It says, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Can we read that again with some gusto? Because that is a promise God gave us, that we get to go forward and advance and charge, and the very gates of hell cannot even stop the church. It's powerless against an advancing church. So read that last part out loud from I. Ready? I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Listen to me, church family, as we dive into this idea. Jesus is the chief cornerstone. He's the foundation upon which the church is built. And that church that he builds can go forward and attack and advance and retake kingdom uh, and occupy until Jesus returns. But that only happens, the gates of hell only fall if the church advances. 
Think about the gates of hell, right? Uh, you might have gates in your community or your backyard has a gate. That gate doesn't advance. It doesn't move. That gate stands still. And that gate only opens if you go at the gate. And the idea of the gates of hell, sometimes we think that the church, and we've talked about this a little bit last year, uh, we think that the church is kind of supposed to hold the fort, right? When we know that song, we don't sing it anymore for this reason. The church isn't supposed to hold the fort. We're not the Alamo that hopefully someone later down in history remembers there was a church here. We're not holed up waiting for the enemy to stop attacking us. God gave us the, 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 the command to go forward, to occupy, to advance, to take ground. And that when we go into that enemy territory and we go into the kingdom of darkness, that those gates can't stop the church unless it doesn't go anywhere. If we get holed up and we're just going to wait out for the rapture and, and kind of hold up, we're safe inside, don't go out into that scary world. Let's just be the church right here and not go anywhere. Then the church does nothing. And last year, we spent a lot of time trying to establish and understand, here's what the church is. This is the church. These are the jobs of the church. And now the call of this year is, now that we know, now it's time to go. Now that we understand who we are, now that we understand our calling, now that we understand our commission, hey, church family, it's not enough just to be the church. The church has to advance and occupy until he comes back. The gates of hell cannot prevail against an advancing church. So my prayer and our emphasis this year for our church is that we would be courageous, is that we would step out and move forward and put feet to faith. You hear me when I say that? It's one thing to have faith and to know that God said the world can be reached. It's one thing to know that there are lost people who, if they heard the word of God, they would be saved. It's one thing to know it and to have faith that God can do it. It's entirely different to put feet to faith and start moving forward and advancing against the kingdom of darkness and advancing the cause of Jesus Christ. And so, like I said, last year, we established what we are and who we are. This year, it's time for action. It's time for the entire church to engage in evangelism. Now, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, but I'm assuming we all understand that's a whole church responsibility. Every one of us is an evangelist. Every one of us is to be sharing the word of God, to proclaim the truth of God, to show it in our lives and through our good works that men may see your father and glorify him. But it's not enough just to live out the gospel. It's you have to preach the gospel. You, God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that would believe. It's the job of the whole church to engage in the action of doing missions, to engage in the action of going fervently into our county to reach these unreached communities. It's the job of every family to position itself in 2024 to be more used of God this year. And I didn't say more busy. I just said more used. More used by God, positioning yourself and freeing yourself from some obligations so that you might be more used of God this year. My prayer for this year is that the church would genuinely advance for the cause of Christ. There's nothing fundamentally that I look out at our church and say, oh, we got to change this or we got to fix this. And certainly there's areas we all need to grow and I'm working on it. We talked about that at the new year, but the fact of the matter is I feel like we know enough to put feet to faith. I feel like we know enough and we've learned enough and our heads are, are, are filled and our hearts are packed and our bags are ready to start doing. And that's not to say we haven't been doing. Faith Baptist Church has a rich history of 34 years of advancing for the cause of Christ. But this year, I want to sow an emphasis on it so that we might go forward with courage and the gates of hell will not prevail. Let's pray this morning and dedicate this year to advancing the kingdom of heaven. And then we're going to dive into our study in a particular text that I'm excited about getting to. So let's pray. Father, we love you. We are grateful, God, to be in your house today. I pray, Lord, you'll help us. Father, I don't want to 
I don't want to have any, any gravitas this morning and convincing or anything of that nature. I just, I just want your spirit to move because, Lord, you have taught us so many things. We've reevaluated and restructured and moved some things and dropped some things and picked some things up and emphasized certain things in our youth group and emphasized certain things in our soul winning and emphasized certain things in our missions. And, Lord, you've done a powerful work in our church. And now, Lord, I pray in a very real, very collective way we would advance for the cause of Christ that we would press forward into the kingdom of darkness, that those gates that have stood, Lord, in Tehachapi and Kern River Valley and Arvind and uh, Africa and South America, uh, Lord, that have not been challenged, Lord, uh, I pray, God, that we, you'd allow us, Lord, to be a group of people who would challenge those gates and fight for that territory and occupy till you return and not just hold up safe, secure in a church that we give our money to and we sing some songs, but, God, that we would engage in the actual outflowing of what a church is supposed to be and supposed to do. And so, Lord, give us courage to advance. It's certainly going to be needed. We're going to see that in our story this morning. So bless us and guide us, we pray. May your spirit have free reign this morning. In Christ's name, we ask these things. Amen. Now, I have a, uh, a huge list of passages that I've prayed over and put on a, uh, just kind of a, a, a long uh, Microsoft Word document of passages that deal with this idea of going forward and advancing. And I was praying over that list. There's a lot of things on that list, a lot of texts on that list, a lot of stories. And I was struggling with what is the first one we're going to go after? What's the first truth we're going to learn? What's the first example, whether Old or New Testament, that we should lean into? And I began to pray, and God made it so abundantly clear to me that Exodus chapter 14 is the chapter to go to. So will you go there? We're going to launch our New Year theme, Advance, straight out of Exodus chapter number 14. Now, if you'll remember, uh, on the, the first Sunday of New Year's, I think it was January 1st, um, the first Sunday of New Year's, oh, no, I guess it's the 31st. I don't know what day it was. The first Sunday, January 7th, that's what it was. On January 7th, we actually preached out of uh, Exodus chapter 12. Exodus chapter 12 is where God tells the children of Israel, hey, gather your things and uh, sacrifice the lamb and apply the blood. And this month will be the first of months to you. And so we're just two chapters later. The children of Israel have only freshly left Egypt. They've just been freed from the bondage of Egypt, and they are moving toward the promised land. They've got a new identity tucked under their, their arms. They know who they're supposed to be. They know where they're supposed to go. And now they're actually putting feet to faith. They're actually marching toward their promised land. They are advancing toward the place that God designed for them. They are on their way. And I want you to notice their marching orders. Now, I don't have time to put up maps, but let me briefly reference them a couple of times. They are headed north to the promised land out of Egypt. And they're headed in that direction. I want you to know what God does and what God says to them. Look at Exodus chapter 14 in verse number one. It says, And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Speak unto the children of Israel, that they turn and encamp before Pihiharoth between Migdal and the sea over against Baal-Zephon before, uh, before it shall ye camp by the sea. Now, again, I don't have time to put up maps. So I have a couple of other visuals I'll show you in just a minute. But the idea is uh, the promised land is due north, slightly northeast. But what God tells them to do, they're heading in that direction. And then God says, hey, hey hold on real quick. Detour, go east. Turn and go toward this place uh, before uh, Pi-Hi-Haroth and the, the Red Sea. Now, again, I don't have time to show you, but understand Pi-Hi-Haroth on your biblical map, you can look at it at later. There's a hugely mountainous region, and there's the Red Sea. They're traveling. They're going to miss that entirely. And God says, oh, hold on real quick. Hey, why don't you turn in right here between this rock and this sea? This rock in this hard place, go ahead and go over there, and uh, I'm going to go ahead and do something for you. And some of you know where the story goes. Look at verse 3. For Pharaoh will say, God speaking to, to Moses right now, 
Pharaoh will say of the children of Israel, they are entangled in the land. They got trapped. They took a wrong turn. They don't know, but that mountain range and that sea, they're going to get stuck. They got nowhere to go. They are entangled in the land. The wilderness hath shut them in. Pharaoh's not speaking. God is. Pharaoh hasn't even thought this yet. God knows that Pharaoh's going to think this. And God, knowing that Pharaoh wants to destroy them, says, hey, why don't you go ahead and turn in here to this place where there's mountains and a sea and there's really no other escape. Pharaoh's going to come after you. He is teaching them, telling them ahead of time, hey, go this way. It seems like they're going backwards, but they're going forward. Look at verse number four. He says, God says, I will harden Pharaoh's heart and he shall follow after them. And I will be honored upon Pharaoh and upon all his hosts that the Egyptians may know that I am the Lord. So this is so crucial to understand. They're headed northeast. God says, nope, turn here. Oh, this is kind of a trap. Yeah, that's exactly the point, God says. Pharaoh's going to come for you, and I'm going to get honor on Pharaoh, and I'm going to destroy him, and you're never going to see him again. I'm doing something. Put yourself in this position. It isn't a trap. I am with you. And notice what verse number four ends. Four words. And they did so. So they're marching forward. They're doing what God says for them to do. But then jump down to verse number 10. Something happens that they were told would happen. But notice their reaction. It says in verse number 10, And when Pharaoh drew nigh, the children of Israel lifted up their eyes, and behold, they saw exactly what God told them would happen. And behold, the Egyptians marched after them. And they were sore afraid. And the children of Israel cried out unto the Lord. So listen to me. Understand the setting of this story is Israel is following the instructions of God. But at the same exact time, Pharaoh is following the instructions of God. God put Israel in between this rock and a hard place because he was going to put Pharaoh in the exact same setting. It's unfolding exactly like God told them it would. The only problem is they get scared. They get terrified. They freeze. They stop, listen, moving forward. You say, what do you mean? Well, hold on to the text. We're going to get there. Look at verse 11. Notice what happens in, as they're supposed to be advancing, they're where they're supposed to be. God intends for them to move forward, but notice what happens. And they said unto Moses, because there were no graves in Egypt, hast thou taken us away to die in the wilderness? Wherefore hast thou dealt thus with us to carry us forth out of Egypt? He said, couldn't we have died there? The children of Israel begin to murmur against God and Moses. I don't understand how. God already told them what was going to happen. And they begin to murmur. We should have died in Egypt. We were better off there. Look at verse 12. Is not this the word that we did tell thee in Egypt, saying to Moses, saying, let us alone that we may serve the Egyptians. For it had been better for us to serve the Egyptians than that we should die in the wilderness. Now, number one, they did not say that, <laughs> okay? They did not want to be slaves. They wanted to be liberated. And now God has liberated them. And God has put them in a position that seems a little scary to go forward. But God has called them to this place. And they say, listen, whoa, you know, well, why, why would you put us in this position? And notice what Moses says in verse 13. And Moses said unto the people, hear ye not. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. We already know God told us, which he will show unto you. For the Egyptians whom ye have seen today, ye shall see them again no more. The Lord shall fight for you. Ye shall hold your peace. So Moses comes back again and he says, stop it. God already told us he's going to take care of us. God said, go forward. Don't stop now. Don't freeze now. You got to this place. Don't give up now. Don't go back now. And then I want you to lean in close. This is the reason we came to this passage. Verse 15. And the Lord said unto Moses, wherefore criest thou unto me? 
Now, we don't see in Moses' relationship with the children of Israel in his speaking that he's scared. But evidently, he comes to God and is like, Lord, ah! And God says, Moses, why, why are you crying to me? Notice carefully the instructions of God. This is the text. Here's what God says to Moses. Speak unto the children of Israel that they go, what's the word? Forward. Hey, 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 Israel, stop. I brought you here. I made you a new people. You who were not a people are now my people. I positioned you here. I called you here. I told you I was going to take care of you. Now it's, and they're saying, yeah, but I want to go back to Egypt. It was better back there. And God says, no, 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 no. Don't go backwards. Go forward. Moses, tell my people, tell the people you lead. It's time to go forward. It's time to advance. But forward into what? Think about it. Again, I wish I had a map in front of you. Behind them is, a, is, a, is the mountain range. In front of them is an impassable sea. And God says, hey, go forward. No, 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 Lord, you, you don't understand the circumstances. No, here's the thing. And then before we even get to the preaching, God knows what's in front of you before you do. God knows what's in front of you when he calls you to go forward. We don't know what 2024 has. We don't know what, what circumstance or what hardship or heartbreak is in front of us, but God has called us to go forward to move forward, not to go backward. And look at verse number 16. It shows us that he makes a way forward. Look at verse 16. He tells to Moses, but lift thou up thy rod and stretch out thy hand over the sea and divide it. And the children of Israel shall go on dry, uh, shall go on dry ground through the midst of the sea. Listen, uh, and most of us know how this story unfolds. And if you're brand new to faith, let me just kind of catch you up. God parts the Red Sea. The children of Israel walk through on dry land. The ground's not even muddy. God does a miracle and the children of Israel walk forward and they advance and on to freedom. And it's a beautiful thing because God entices Pharaoh and his army. Uh, some estimate over 500,000 soldiers and armored chariots and so forth. And the children of Israel get out of the Red Sea and the, the Egyptians come into the Red Sea and God closes the sea and he destroys them. And Israel is now safe from ever having to return to Egyptian bondage. But here's the key thought. Here's how it relates to us. All of that victory, all of that freedom, all of that progress, all that lied in front of them was contingent on them listening to what God said in verse 15. Speak unto the children of Israel that they go forward, that they advance that they continue, that I'm not done with them, that I didn't bring them here on accident. I know Pharaoh thinks they're entangled in the land and the wilderness has shut you up, but that's not the case. I'm with you. I called you here and now I'm calling you to go forward. And God calls Moses to instruct his people to keep moving. It's not time to stop. And it's not time to go backwards. Uh, you, you know who you are now, Israel. You've been given a freedom and you've been given a calling to go and you've been given instructions. Now just put one foot in front of the other and step out into the sea and God is gonna part it. Now church family, that feels to me, and I'm not saying I'm Moses, but God has called me to help lead the church at faith here. But that feels like the exact calling on my own heart for our church family. I feel it incumbent upon me to challenge our church family to say, hey, we know who we are. We've been positioned here and God's planted a church and paid off the building and given us leadership teams and given us servants and teachers and people. And now it's time to put one foot in front of the other to call us to, yes, obey with our heart and our head, but also with our actions. 
to actually start moving, to press forward, to, to, to put action to the imperatives that we learned last year, to move forward for Jesus in 2024. And what I find in this story are four things that just remind me of God's faithfulness and call on our church. Now, again, we're not the children of Israel, and we're not at a Red Sea, but we are on a journey with Jesus. We are pressing forward until he comes. All of the same commands of the idea of, of don't stop and don't go back are all imperatives he has given to his church as well. So I want to highlight four things in this story that we saw, some we read, some we'll read in a moment, that remind me of what God's call for our church is as we advance for him. I want you to see number one, and uh, if you'll go in your, in your Bible down to verse number 14, we'll read that in just a second. But the first thing I learn here is that God has already told them, he's already made it clear what he expects of them. And again, let, before we get back to the story, church family, that's us. God has already given us commands. He's already given us instructions. I don't need to, we don't need another command to be obedient in global commissions. He already gave us the great commission. He already told the children of Israel, hey, go, I'm with you. I'm doing this thing. Pharaoh's gonna come. I'm gonna take care of you. Israel wasn't freehanding their navigation decisions. Think back to the story. It wasn't like they were like, um, that way. And then it accidentally ended up between Pihai Haroth and the Red Sea. They didn't just guess. God put them and told them to go exactly where they were. And he told them why he were going to go there. He told them Pharaoh was coming. And he told them he was going to take care of them. And so listen, as they stand in this moment, listen, a perceived crisis, there should have been zero confusion. God already told them what was happening. God already told them he was with them. God already told him he was going to take care of that. And listen, as you and I go into our life and into our journey, we can be scared because of the unknown. We can be scared of the things he told us would be coming, right? All that live godly shall suffer persecution. You start following Jesus, you're going to get to a place where it's like, Lord, why? Because I told you. You should expect that. And God looks at, at Moses and says, why are they crying against me? Why are you scared, Moses? Go and tell them the command to go forward has not changed. And now to us, in 2024, church family, the command has not changed. Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel. There's nothing new added to the responsibility of the church. Continuing the mission is the job of the church. Occupying till I come is the job of the church. It is not time to freeze. He's already told us what to do. And here's the thing. We have followed him this far. Right? Some of you have been in the church for 30 years. I don't think anybody's been in the church for longer than 30 years. I might be wrong. And we followed him all the way to here. This last year, we followed him and we grew and God did things and we learned and we advanced. And some of you preached the first time you've ever preached and you've grown. Listen, good. Don't stop now. Continue the mission. Keep moving. God didn't bring you here to die between Pi Hiharoth and the Red Sea. He brought you here to keep moving forward. The mission doesn't stop. Advance. Let me teach you something about advancing, though. This is crucial to understand for the rest of the year. The one thing the story teaches us is this. Advancing is harder than just positional obedience. Okay, I'm going to explain that in just a minute, but let me say it again. Advancing is scarier than just being between Pi High Haroth and the Red Sea. All right, Lord, you told me to get here. I'm going to take a breather now. And God says, no. No, I told you to be here so you could go there. I, I saved you so you could keep moving. I, I changed you so you could advance. And, and oftentimes in our Christian life, we grow to a certain point and we get to this place God tells us to and we're excited about that growth. And then God starts advancing our faith and he starts calling us to scarier things where, man, it used to be just church attendance was the scary obedience and now it's Sunday school teaching. Staying where you are is less scary than advancing. 
And we think we're obedient because we're where God told us to be last year. Do you understand God's will is still advancing? God still is still call, God's will is still calling us to move forward. It's easier to stand where you are than it is to walk into water and expect him to part it. It takes a lot less faith to just, okay, I'm just going to tuck and wait, hold the fort. That's not God's design for the church. It's to go forward. We are, listen, when it comes to church, right, it's easier to try to be the church inside. This is where I really want to go. We are the church. We sang, we worshiped. We're the church inside these walls. But God's plan for the church isn't just to stay with inside these walls. You are positionally obedient this morning. You are where God told you to be this morning. But the goal is to go out. The goal is to go forward. The goal is to carry the cross forward, to show Jesus, to lift him up, that he draw all men unto you. And it's a whole lot easier to be like, yep, Sunday morning, I'm going to be where I need to be. And I'm going to go back to Egypt Monday through Friday. Oh, Sunday, I'm going to come back. And the reality is we never go forward. We never step into the hard things because we're scared of ever doing that. And that's the first thing we learn in this story is Israel already knew what God had called them to. Their mission was just to continue, to carry forward, to go forward. I want you to notice the second thing. It's found in verse 14. God has already made it clear what provision was made for them to go forward. God already made it clear. Look at verse number 14. Look at what Moses says on behalf of God. The Lord shall fight for you and ye shall hold your peace. Listen, advancing is scary. Advancing is wild at times. We will do, Lord willing, if he tarries his coming and allows us to do what we're praying and planning to do, we will do things as a church we've never done before. And that's scary. But it is 100% provided for by God. If he's called us to it, he will make a way. If he told us to go to Pi High Haroth and the Red Sea, he will make a way. And that's what he tells them. He says, children of Israel, stop freaking out. God's going to provide. You don't even have to raise a sword. The Lord will fight for you. Listen, when it comes to 2024, we don't have to force anything. And that's a breath of fresh air to me, right? Because I have all these plans and dreams and hopes and God do this. All right, I'm going to force it. And God says, no, stop doing that. I'll make the way. I'll fight for you. We don't even have to be good swimmers, right? They're looking out. They're like, well, we got mountain climbing or swimming. It's like a triathlon. We're not that good at swimming. That's fine. Stay where you are. God's going to take care of Pharaoh and God's going to make a way for you. We don't have to engineer a path in advancement. I don't know what's next. I don't know where it takes us. I don't know how God's going to open doors and cause us to go through it. But here's what I do know. He called us to step forward in obedience and he will make a way forward should we advance. Church family, again, I don't know exactly where we're advancing to. I know on the calendar it's Africa and Arvin and building projects, Lord willing, greater works in Bakersfield and Kern River Valley. I don't know exactly where, but here's the thing I do know. I do know how. I don't know where, but I know how. I don't know. I, God, God brought me here. He hasn't told me we're going through the Red Sea yet. Hasn't told us we're climbing up the mountain, but he told me to be here. And then he said he would make a way. And I don't know everything that 2024 has or how it's all going to shake out, but I know exactly how God's going to do it because he is going to be the one that does it. Listen, he told us he'd never leave us or forsake us. He told us the gates of hell would fall. He told us that if we lift him up, he would draw all men unto him. He told us that he would be faithful and that he would build his church. And Israel didn't have to worry about the, the, the how or I'm making this work. God was going to take care of it for them. And I am sure, assured in my heart that as we advance for the cause of Christ, should we advance for the cause of Christ, he is going to make a way for us. Number one, God made, a, made his expectations clear. Pharaoh's army didn't change God's expectation. Forward. Number two, God had made provision for how for them to go forward. And I want you to notice next, this one's important. While God would do the fighting for them, do not miss this. While God was going to do the fighting for them, 
God still made it clear that they had responsibilities to do themselves. I want you to look down at verse number 16. So in the closing part of our conversation between God and Moses, God tells him, don't be afraid. I told you this would happen. I'm going to fight for you. What's the first word of verse 16? So God says, I'm going to fight for you. However, notice what he says to Moses. Lift thou up thy rod and stretch out thine hand over the sea and divide it. And the children of Israel shall go on dry ground through the midst of the sea. So God says, I'm going to do it, but you have a job as well. This is the law. It appears across the Bible. The law of division of labor. When manna falls in the wilderness, who drops the manna? Who gathers the manna? Man. There's always a law of division of labor. Church family, the children of Israel are ready. God can separate the, God can spread the waters. They have to go. And Moses is told to do three things. Did you notice it there in, his te- in the text? Number one, he says, lift thou up thy rod. Is that something Moses can do or not? Yeah, he can lift a stick and stretch out thine hand. Is that something God, Moses can do? Yeah. But then there's the one that's not like the other and then divide it. Moses can't divide the, the sea. But Moses did have a job to do. Listen, you're still going to have to lift your rod, God says to Moses. In order to move forward, you're going to have some responsibility in this. And church family, listen, when it comes to what we hope for, what we pray for, and what we expect God to do through this church, there are still personal responsibilities that you and I are accountable for. We may not be able to part the Red Sea, but we have to lift our rod. We may not be able to make the, the ground dry, but we have to stretch out. And listen, God does the heavy lifting of kingdom building, right? You and I have never saved a single person but we do have to teach that people can be saved. You and I can't force open a door, but we have to go try the door. You and I may not be able to plant a church, but God can, and God can do the heavy lifting. We still need to put feet to pavement, right? We still need to budget and schedule so the gospel goes forward. We still have to participate in missions if the church's mission is to go forward. Listen, uh, there is a job for you to do as the church advances. We can't just twiddle our thumbs and say, yep, God said to go forward, so he's just going to carry us all the way. No, there's work. There's sacrifice. There's schedule changes and giving and participation and actually making an effort to care for souls. Some of you want to care for souls, but your heart's just not there. You're not in a spiritual place right now where you do care for people who are lost. How am I going to get there? Just show up on Saturday. It'll fix it. No, pray throughout the week and then show up on Saturday. Pray that God would soften your heart for global missions. Some of you are stingy when it comes to giving to the mission of the gospel, right? And it's like, well, how do I fix that? Well, start giving, but start praying that God would soften your heart toward it. There's work that's got to be done on our part if the work of God is to go forward. And the beautiful thing is he doesn't need you. He doesn't need me. He can make his will accomplished by somebody else. So what a privilege to be a part of it. What a privilege to be able to lift the rod. Now, I want to lean into our final thought this morning, and we are done. This is my favorite thought of the morning, so let's, let's listen to it. We can trust God for the steps forward in our journey because he has been faithful in every step along our journey. He has been faithful in every step that the children of Israel have taken into Egypt, now out of Egypt, and all the way to the turning to go toward Pi-Hiharoth. God has been with them in every single step of their journey. Even though they're standing between a literal rock and a hard place, God has been nothing but perfectly faithful to them. Think about it. When the children of Israel were in Egypt, God called Moses into the backside of the desert so God could call Moses to go back and bring the children of Israel out. 
because the, the crying of Israel had come up to the ears of God. He sent plagues to loosen Pharaoh's grip. He sent the death angels so that Pharaoh's heart would break and he would finally release them. And every single step of the journey, God has been nothing but faithful. And in that faithfulness, he says, so go forward. I've been with you. I'll be with you. Listen, can I remind you, Moses' faith wasn't just rooted in God's word or commands alone. It was also rooted in God's track record. Think about it. You and I have a call to go forward. And if all we had was the word of God, that would be enough. But you know, you and I have more than just the word of God. We have the track record of God. That in every step of the 34 years of Faith Baptist Church, God's been faithful. That God has provided. That as a church has gone forward aggressively, God has always met them in those moments. And God has always carried them forward. So not only do we have the commands of God we learned about last year, we also have the track record of God that in every situation he has been faithful. I want you to think with me just real quick, tangibly. And I'm, I'm more of an illustrated guy. I like kind of putting things into something that my little brain can grasp. Think about what Moses is holding in his hand. What's he holding? It's just a stick. It's a rod. But think about this with me. Boy, it was more than a stick to Moses. But how? It was a reminder of the faithfulness of God. It was a token of remembrance that God had always been with him and faithful to do the things that God had called Moses to do. Think about that rod. That rod that Moses is holding in his hand was the first thing that God associated himself to Moses with. Moses on the backside of the desert in, in Exodus chapter four, verse number two, you can look it up. Moses is arguing with God. I can't be used. I can't be used. And God asks him this very simple question. What's in your hand? Oh, it's just a stick. Just a stick. God says, let go of the stick and watch what I can do with it. And that stick very much so represents the life of Moses. Just a crooked old stick. Couldn't do much, but when he let go of it, it turned into a snake. It's this same stick he's holding at the Red Sea. It's this same stick that God turned into a snake that ate Pharaoh's magician's snakes. It's this same stick that turned the Nile and all the water in Egypt into blood. It's this rod of God that turned the dust when he smote the ground of Egypt into lice. It's this same stick that brought down hail and fire. It's this same stick that drove off the locusts. This stick was a reminder that God was always with them and God was going to take care of them. It's, again, it's the first thing that God associated to Moses with. But it's just a crooked stick. But Moses carried that crooked stick on the backside of the desert. And now he carries that stick one more time. And he's going to stretch it out over the Red Sea. And God's going to part it. And God says, listen, that rod is going to lead my people forward. It was a token of remembrance to him, not just of the commands of God, but of the track record of God. And now, listen, let's talk about us for a second. Um, this got me thinking about Faith Baptist Church. Actually, this happened, I don't want to say accidentally, but I was in my office working on it this week, and this sermon, and I stood up, and I was just leaning against the wall to try to stretch my back. And I looked on my bookshelf, and on my bookshelf, I have a bunch of physical reminders of the goodness and faithfulness of God over the last decade. Now, again, I, I know that he's been faithful for the last 34 years. And so as I highlight what God has done in the last nine years, I'm not intending to highlight myself. I just wasn't here for the other things. And as I was looking across the, the bookshelf, I saw the first thing that reminded me of the faithfulness of God. 2015, we put a bunch of bricks up. Can you throw that first photo up for me? In 2015, we had what was called the Taking Jericho Banquet. And we believed that God was going to allow us to buy Faith Baptist Church, 1960 Ming Avenue. And these bricks form a memorial in the courtyard, except for two of them. One of them is in my office because it just didn't fit, okay? So I got to keep one. You can find the other one and you can have it. We'll go to Home Depot and buy one. But that monument out there, what mean ye by these stones, is a memorial of the faithfulness of God. As I was continuing through, I actually had to call in. I had to phone a friend. I called Miss Flora because she's the only person I know that still has this. In 2016, we set out for the by faith theme. Do you anybody remember this cup? Does anybody still have this cup? 
Okay, Mrs. Gray and Miss Flora. Okay, my wife threw ours away. And uh, so praying for her. But what this represents to me is that God began to take these bricks down. And one by one, week after week, we take bricks down. We take a half brick down. We take two and a half bricks down for $1,000 every brick. And God began to faithfully show himself to be real. Then on, December, on November the 20th, 2016, at the end of that year, we use these babies to cut people's hair. No, I'm just kidding. Can you throw the slide up? November the 20th, 2016, we bought 1960 Ming Avenue and Faith Baptist Church had a permanent church home. You know what this is? It's just a stick. It has no earthly value to the overwhelming majority of human beings, right? It's just a cool, big, giant, you know, scissor when the kid comes into my office. But to me, it represents that what God calls to, God is faithful to do. And in the following years, God faithfully did project after project, you can see. And then, for many of you who are here for this, in 2023, it's just a rock. But it reminds us, like Moses, uh, Moses' rod, of the faithfulness of God. And listen, we don't have a, a rod to remind us of how faithful he's been in pressing forward, but we have plenty of things to remind us all around that God has been faithful in 34 years of Faith Baptist Church's history. And to me, the biggest reminder of the faithfulness of God is not the stuff or the things, but it's the people I look out at from the pulpit this morning. The lives changed. The marriages that God has put together the people who've been married in our church, the people who were saved last year. So many of you sitting in our auditorium today, you were saved uh, in, in this last year. You were baptized in this last year. And God is adding to the church and continuing to do a miraculous work. Why does that matter? Because we can go forward knowing that he will still, knowing that God has been faithful. Think about this, church family. I don't know what the next slide, uh, hold on on the next slide. Think about our Spanish family, our Spanish church family. Is God faithful? And if God can do that here, he can do that anywhere. But the church has to go forward. The church has to advance. I was thinking about people and, and please forgive me. I, I, some of you are not, you're not in photos. And I tried, I searched through all of my files and I just began to think about the goodness of God. And I began to search through photos and some of the searching of photos, you know, made my heart sad. Some people have, have moved away and they're still in the will of God and we love them death, you know, to dear or to death, but you know, they backslid and moved away. I'm just kidding. That's happened. Some people, they, they've fallen away. But please just forgive me if you say, well, how come my picture didn't get up there? It's probably because we didn't take a picture together, okay? Most of these pictures aren't me. But I began to go through and just look at the rods of God, the, the examples of God's faithfulness and his reminder. Would you throw the first picture up there? Or the next picture up there? This is the Graves family on my couch the week I moved to Bakersfield. This man now pastors an hour north of us. God is faithful. The next one, go to the next one. I love this one. Now, both of those are children, but one of them is Jonathan Racinos, who just led the music this morning. And that was nine years ago. And God is doing the work. He's out there preaching junior church right now, imparting the word of God into young people's lives. Go to the next one. Somewhere back there is, uh, where's he at? Let me see. That kid in the very back corner right there is Josh Tolentino, our youngest church staff member. Grew up in our church. Why does this matter? Because if God has been faithful, God will be faithful. December the 20, December 2015. Next picture, please. Hunter Moore. Little baby Hunter Moore right here. Little Hunter Moore got saved and got baptized at Faith Baptist Church. Six months later, next picture. That's not the next picture. That's the next picture. I was like, man, Hunter, you're related to Brother Anderson. Six months later, Brother Herschel got saved in his, in his kitchen. 
got baptized six months after his son. God is still faithful. Go to the next one. In 2016, God brought this guy to our church to faithfully love and serve, Brother Anderson, right? And family after family after family. And again, there's so many that could fill in the gaps. I don't have all of the pictures. In 2019, this is a more recent one. God brought the, or, uh, oh, this one is not, bro, what are you doing back there? Are you in the right order? Is it the night order? Okay, this one. Let me jump to this one. This was 2019 as well. The Ramirez, you remember this, Brother Ronnie. It's why you're in the photo. The Ramirez is back here, showed up at our church to ask us if we would baptize their baby. <laughs> we, don't, we don't baptize babies, okay? That's not scriptural. They didn't know that. They showed up in the parking lot, and who did they find but Brother Ronnie Racinos, because he doesn't drive home on the, on the Sundays because he lives too far away, so he's sleeping in his car. Or I don't know what you're doing in your car. And he goes over and talks to the, these dear folks, Miss Rafaela, Brother uh, Eddie, and Miss Angie all got saved in my office that day. Faithfully teaching, faithfully present. God is in the miracle working business. And other people that God has added. Here's the Orr family that came in 2019, right before COVID. Uh, and then there's COVID. So switch to the next one. You guys remember this one? Buh. Here's the thing, though. Here's why this all matters. If he has been faithful, he will still be faithful. If God has been present through every step of our journey, God will still be present in every step of our journey. As he calls us to march forward, let's keep our eyes on him. Let's keep our rod in our hand, remembering, man, God, you've been through all this. There's been a lot of things that you've done and I've seen it with my own eyes. Let's go forward. Your word is clear. Your commands are clear. It's time, your record is flawless. It's time to move forward. And so church family, I hope that God will allow us to bury this theme in our heart of advancing for the cause of Christ. Let's pray.